Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Jake Brantley on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Jake. How are you this morning? Doing good. How are you, Steve? Love that hair, bro. I mean, seriously, you're making me. <laughs> I mean, what did you did your dad have hair all the way through? Did he lose his hair? What, what's going on with you? You know, hair? he had more of a fro in the beginning. You know, he was a <laughs> one of those disco fro guys, I think. So was he? Yeah. Yeah. No, I kind of started the whole uh, long hair trend in our family, I think. Our co-founder, my brother, uh, He's got long hair too now, but you know, if you really want to give him a hard time, just tell him he copied me. <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw your uh, profile and I was doing my homework on you before the podcast, I saw that you lived in Boulder and you know, I didn't, until I scrolled down and saw Tennessee, saw Tennessee and stuff. I didn't, I didn't know right away that you were from the South, but then I was listening uh, to uh, something on YouTube where you were speaking and uh, right away, I heard the accent. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 not from Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the accent stands out and it's not always a good thing in a professional business. I'll tell you that much. Well, uh, we, you know, it, it's a. Tra- I think it's attractive. I think it's it gives you uh, color and, and flavor and flair and, and it makes you sound different, you know, so you're not so boring like some of these some of these people that pitch their businesses. I think it I think it's cool. I think it helps investors remember you i think it helps people remember who you are i think it's great just so you know (laughs) i I appreciate that it's been a you know actually for a long time i think i subconsciously started trying to get rid of it uh, because i'd be talking to i was in the nuclear industry before i did any of this stuff and you know when i first started i moved around the country working a little bit and i would uh you know i went into a meeting and i started talking about pipe supports and i say pipe very you know, I really articulate pipe now because I went in talking about pipe supports and everybody's looking at me and they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, pop supports. And, and they're like, pop, like, uh, they thought I was taking on my drink holders or something. And I, and I finally had to put a Y into that word for everybody to understand me. <laughs> Isn't it interesting now that you mention it, I think I went through a phase. I grew up in Oklahoma and, uh, my grammar, my speech was, you know, not perfect, still isn't. And I think, and I moved to Connecticut and I worked in Connecticut and New York for a while when I was in my thirties and, uh, same thing, you know, I tried to sound different. I tried to kind of be different. I got over that. I got over that. Now I'm just like, this is, this is who I am. Yeah. But it is what it is. Get a little experience and confidence under your belt. And then you can just kind of let it all, you know, you can, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. That's right. I'll be listening to some of our podcasts and I'll be listening to some of the things I say and some of my grammar now. And I'm just like, Oh man, that's terrible. But I just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, yep. Yep. Um, tell us about yourself personally, man. Give, give us, give us a background. Mom, dad, uh, you got one brother. I know for sure get, get, where you grew up. Give us some early history stuff. If you don't mind. Yeah, we, we actually grew up. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, my brother is my co-founder. We've actually cool. founded two companies, three companies together. The second one never really took off. So a couple companies together. Um, but yeah, we grew up in backwoods, Tennessee, East Tennessee. Love uh, whereabouts. So give us a, give us a little, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, adjacent towns don't even know where this town is, but it's called Paint Rock, Tennessee. Paint Rock, Tennessee. Population what, 200? Uh, it, that's pushing it, probably. Uh, <laughs> that, the, but that town, when we grew up in it, was the highest meth per capita in the United States. Even more than even more than West Virginia. I know that West Virginia is like super at the time. That was our claim to fame. Now, it's probably it might have changed a little bit since then. You know, they've cracked down a little bit, but a rough little country town that nobody knows about is where we came from. How many Uh, people in your graduating class high school? We actually well, that's a funny story. When I I was in, uh, I believe, second grade, my brother was in fifth or so. 
we looked around at our peers and we looked around at the people in this town and we just went to our mom and we're like, Hey, there's anything you can do to get us out of here. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> and we, and we pleaded with her and she actually delivered. She, she sent us over to a town of a uh, population, uh, about a thousand, a little, you know, a much bigger town. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we graduated high school over there, I think the graduating class was, you know, it was in the hundreds. Oh, okay. Like All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Your mom was your mom single. Was she yeah. Yeah. Uh, divorced parents from, from the get go for me. Yeah. Are you the younger brother then? Yes. Yes. I see. Okay. Uh, and you and your brother. All right. So you were little when your mom and dad got divorced. Okay. Any other siblings? Yeah. I got a little sister. Uh, she's about the same age difference. I'm the middle kid, a little sister. She's about two and a half years younger than I am. Uh, and a couple step, uh, step brother and a stepsister. And the step, uh, are those because your dad remarried or your mom remarried? How'd that work? Mom remarried. Mom remarried. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And is your mom still married to that same dude now? Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. They've, they've had a happy marriage for the last 25, 30 years. Is he cool? I, he's, he's a good guy. You're okay. You were okay. Oh with yeah. Him? Yeah. He's a, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. I think they got married when I was 10 or 11 and that guy's got uh deep South, you know, in his blood. So all the, all the greatest Southern values. I think uh, I got a lot of those from him. And he took on you and your brother. So he, so he married your mom, took on a couple of stepchildren, which is not an easy thing to do. Did and he had kids from his first marriage too, or no? Yes. He the two from his previous marriage. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough job. You know, people, people cruise past that, you know, sometimes fast when they're telling me about their background, but uh, I know because I was a step parent uh, and my, when my wife and I met, we both had two each from our first marriage that's not an easy, that's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine for sure. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, okay. So, and then your dad, what did he remarry? What's up with your dad? Your real dad? He remarried once. Um, my real dad, he's awesome. You know, he's a great leader. He's a hard worker. I get a lot of my grit from him. Uh, but he's right now we moved back into town. He's about five minutes down the road. So we see him all the time and he's, he's granddad, uh, you know, especial now. Okay. Okay. What did he do for a living? Uh, so he was a, he's been a distributor his whole life. So he done, he did uh, Merida bread actually in the get go. Okay. Uh, and then he, he started his own distributorship because he just doesn't like working for other people. <laughs> and he started a little Debbie, little Debbie cake distributorship. So really, that's I, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I spent a lot of my childhood uh, running little Debbie's across the state of Tennessee and <laughs> loading cases. And are you serious? Oh, so were you were 17, 18, 19, whatever you're, you're, you're driving the little, little trucks doing deliveries. Oh no, I'm, I'm 12, 14, 16, <laughs> uh, with him slaving away with little Debbie's. That's yeah. pretty cool. Does he retire or does he still got the business going? Oh, he's still going. He's still pushing it. Is yeah. he? Wow. Okay. All right. Very good. And he lives five minutes from you and your mom. Does she live close to about 20 minutes? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Everybody lives close and your brother too. Everybody's, everybody's near. My brother lives down. I live on the river uh, right here in, in East Tennessee. My brother actually lives about 12 minutes down river. Uh, well, down and up river. There's three rivers that all join in to our town right here. Okay. And if you go down the river and back up the river, you'll be at my brother's house right there on the, on the river. I love it. Okay. I love it. I love, it. I, I love I gotta, that. I got to work sometimes on my jet ski. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you yeah. serious? <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Oh, I, I love that. Okay. Very good. And how about you? You married kids, partners? What, what's yep. going on? Uh, married, got one little boy. He's uh, turning two and a half next week. And I got another one on the way uh, in about oh. a month. Congratulations. Yeah. I appreciate that. Congratulations. It's, okay. Yeah, nothing better than that. Very good. So you, uh, so you graduated and, and you, you got into, uh, Tennessee university of Tennessee and, uh, tell us what, what did you want to do? I know, I know you, you majored in civil engineering, but talk to me about what, what was the plan? what did you want to do? And then, and then roll us into your early career. Go for it. Yeah, that's a, whew, that's a story. Um, <laughs> I actually, I had no idea what I wanted to do other than play football. Oh, uh, so okay. Was, oh, so you were a high school athlete then, big athlete in yeah. high school. Okay. Big time football player. Um, okay. Really wanted to take that all the way, but I was a little scared, a little nervous, and I knew nothing about the collegiate atmosphere. Uh, got a couple offers, 
I got a, offered a Marshall. Um, really? I didn't even know who, really? I, but I, I didn't know who Marshall was at the time. I thought it was a no-name school, you know. Um, <laughs> so out of fear, I, I will say out of fear, um, I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to a big university. I need to get a job. I need to get out of the meth town. Uh, okay. I go to Tennessee. Maybe I'll walk on, something like that. So I went to the University of Tennessee. Now, did you have a scholarship uh, or, or no? Or you uh, – yeah. No athletic scholarship. No, yeah. we, there's some little stuff going on in Tennessee for academics that I, that I got. Um, okay. But to Tennessee, they didn't really look at our school at all for, for recruiting. Okay. And, and okay. you know, it, I didn't. Uh, so I, I went to Tennessee. I never actually walked on. Um, basically, I'll, I'll just take you through that real fast. At my junior year, finally, I decided, you know what? I'm crazy that I haven't walked on to Tennessee yet. So I, or at, I least, or gym, at least try it or at least try it or at least try. So I got in the gym. I, I went really hard and this is going to be my chance to throw Lane Kiffin completely under the bus. I'm not a football <laughs> fan, but I'm going to, so I'm just going to toss him under the bus right here. Uh, my junior year, I went in there. I was in great shape, ready to go. Ask how, those guys. What's your size? How big were you? I was about 170 pounds. Uh, probably, you know, I, I know a lot of people say they run a good 40, but I, I was uh, somewhere in the four, 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 three, forty. Oh, you're a fast um, guy. How tall are you? Uh, about five ten. Okay, what, what were you playing? Corner, safety. Uh, high school, I was always a running back and a strong safety and a punt returner, kick returner. Okay. Uh, but in, then I went on to, you know, uh, went to walk on there. I didn't know what I was going to play. I said, "Put me wherever you want." Um, but Lane Kiffin had just become the head coach of Tennessee, and he shut down the entire walk-on program. He didn't care who you were. Mm-hmm. So if you I, wanted to walk on to this team, you couldn't do it. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I walked out of there. Um, defeated, you know, still a young kid with no confidence, had no idea what was going on. Walked out of there, called my buddy that had been training with and said, man, they shut the program down. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to try out for the Knoxville Knights semi-pro team right now. Do you want to go with me? And yeah. I said, okay. Why not? So, <laughs> so I went with him, tried out for the semi-pro team, got on the team that he didn't for <laughs> poor guy, but, uh, um, and immediately they, he, the coach to that team walked up to me and said, you're going to be our starting safety. Um, wow. Cool. Picks for us too. And uh, cause he just saw that I had a head on my shoulders and I could, uh, you know, it was fast. So, and, it, and let me guess they're paying you like a hundred bucks a game or something. <laughs> oh no. See that game was all about exposure. That, that whole okay. league was about exposure. Gotcha. You didn't have to pay to play, but you also but didn't get paid to play. Did they pay for the film. equipment? Did they pay for the equipment at least? Oh, they would. If it, they would give you equipment, if you, uh, if you wanted their equipment, <laughs> I bought my own equipment. I love it, man. I love it. That's so good. Okay. How long did you play with them? Uh, two years. And that's the two years that they went and won the championship. So I led our defense was the best out of thousands of teams in the country. One of my pride and joys here, our defense was the best in the country in semi-pro for two years in a row. How about that, man? That's pretty cool. And you, and you won some championships. And won some championships. And the greatest Good. part about it is my coach trusted me so much that he let me devise and, and call my own shots on this defense. So I was what? working That's with cool. the linebackers, telling them when or not to blitz and the coverages and all the strategy. And I was able to do that and improvise on my end. Um, you know, I was always looked up to like Troy Palomalu. Okay. Uh, he he did what he wanted on defense because he had the speed to make up for it. So I was kind of a hard hitter, a uh, fast guy that could make up ground. So I was able to call shots and make up for the risk with speed. And it was just, uh, we were dominant. I mean, it was a, it was really an amazing thing. Um, and I, I love that was it. two years of that. We won both championships. I went and actually tried out for uh, the new pro league that was coming out the gridiron league. Okay. Uh, and I made it. I was going to go play for Salem, Virginia, and actually get paid to play football. Rip um, now, okay. Now, at that moment, though, during that time right there, you were how old? And were, were you like a junior in college? Where were you? How old were you? I was uh, going into my senior year okay. of college. Maybe okay. I was out of. I can't remember if I was. It was right there on the cusp of graduating, okay. not graduating. And how were you? Had e- a lot. <laughs> how were you eating how were you like paying the bills what were you doing you were working other miscellaneous jobs basically oh yeah yeah i had uh i had server jobs you know i worked at 
I had a couple lifeguarding jobs. I worked at Cracker Barrel as a server. Um, KFC. I, I, KFC. I saw it. KFC. KFC. Yeah, that was Love my get go. That was right out of the gate. Uh, that was that job was actually kind of fun because you could really mess with people um, psychologically <laughs> in the window. <laughs> Uh, you can change practice uh, up on people and things like that. By the way, uh, I want to I want to wrap up the football thing, but I'm, first let me just say you, I don't know if you, you if you saw my LinkedIn profile, but I also have KFC on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, that was my nice. very first job, dishwasher KFC. No way. Yeah, man. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. And uh, I love I love it when people put that stuff on there, like the fact that you have server Cracker Barrel, the fact that you have the bar back thing on there. I, I think that's really cool. And I encourage as a recruiter, as a, as a guy who owns a recruiting firm, I tell candidates, I'm like, man, be, be personable, like share your stuff. Like if you were a server at Cracker Barrel, put it on there. That's cool. People yeah. try to hide that shit. I, I think it's makes it, it makes it fun. It keeps it, it keeps it a little loose. It creates some personality. I love the fact that you have it on there. Uh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. If, I figure if I'm looking at hiring a guy and I see that he's been through the depths of work exactly he might appreciate the job a little more when he gets it. <laughs> it's or, so you true know. man so true so you all right so your senior year you're you're, you're majoring in civil engineering you got the football passion you won these championships you're playing ball not married at the time no probably no no, no. okay okay uh all right and then what happens so got the got the gig in salem virginia Ready to go play ball. I think I was going to make like a thousand bucks a game, something like that. That's cool. Uh, and, uh, and you, you know, it was the step up to the next level. But then, yeah. you know, at the last second, the funders uh, behind mm -hmm. the league pulled out. So yeah. they lost all their funding and they had to send yeah. a, a big message out and call everybody and say, hey, sorry, yeah. guys, we know this is ah. your dream and we've answered it. And now we've, we're, we're turning it in. So yeah. that, right that when that happened to me, I was just like, you know what? kind of missed my chance uh, you know I, I i owned it i said fear got me for two years it kind of lost my window i gotta move on and never do that again okay so. all right all right then now now regular life starts <laughs> regular life then i fully committed to regular life and i now that you mention it i was actually uh i was overlapping i was working a 50 or 60 hours a week at bechtel doing engineering work okay um while playing my last year of semi-pro football. Wow. All right. Very good. All right. So how did you go from civil engineer to entrepreneur? Skip us forward a little bit. What, what? Yeah. You and your brother, so, you and your brother are like, Hey, this sucks working for other people. Let's do our own thing. What, what happened? That was actually the plan from the get go. We, we knew oh. we wanted to start our own company one day. Okay. Uh, at least one. So we, when we went to college, we didn't know anything about college or professions. All we knew is that our dad told us you need to either be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. You know, and there was like, if you don't do that, you're screwed. So, <laughs> so we, we looked at it and we we got we put our heads together on everything. We put our heads together on this and we said, like, neither one of us like to hear people complain. So we cannot go into the medical industry. Okay. Just can't do it. I, I definitely right. can't do it. Yeah. Um, so I skipped the doctor thing, looked at legal and law and said, that's a lot of school. I don't have time for that. Literally don't okay. have the time for it. Okay. Um, so engineering is going to have to be the, the way we go here. So that's why we actually both picked the same major because we wanted to start a company together one day. Oh, I see. Did he go to Tennessee as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And he was what, one year older, two years older. What, what was he? About two and a half years older. Okay. All right. So you guys are super close the whole time then, obviously, and still are obviously to be able to run a company together. Yeah. It was, well, it's been, it's been kind of a survival thing for us. That's how we got through is uh, putting our heads together and running. So, okay. Yeah, all right. It, so you do it. And then, and then how did you, so you, you, the whole time you're like, man, let's start a business together. You said you did a couple uh, of businesses um, walk us through, and this is before mind pass walk us through those really quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. So uh, the first company we started was an engineering company um, where we were designing actually uh, we developed this really cool algorithm. I don't know if you know anything about finite element analysis. Have you ever heard of that? No. Mm -mm. You basically, you, do, you write software. If you're good at it, you write software that essentially will take any structure, break it down into its constituent little parts uh, with nodes. And then you, you have basically a matrix of relations between each of these nodes. Um, and you can, if you're, if you're good enough, you can use that and then do engineering with that 
uh, instead of having to use really rudimentary uh, hand calculation methods. Okay. So okay. What you're able to do when you do something like that is write calculations and do designs uh, that are much more beneficial to everyone involved. All right. And uh, if you know how to write the calculations right, you can even get traditional inspectors to buy off on those calculations. So what we were able to do with our skill set that we had developed over working, uh, you know, we got into the engineering business for years and, and developed these skill sets and finally decided, hey, we've got, we're good enough. I think we can start our own company now because there's a window of opportunity here uh, where these construction companies need designs really fast and okay. nobody can do them. So whenever Fukushima, you remember the Fukushima incident in Japan? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever that happened, the U.S. put out a guideline that basically said all the nuclear plants in the U.S., they have to either put up what they call a flex structure, which is a, a massive structure that can take anything, uh, hurricane, earthquakes, missiles, tornadoes, uh, structure can take anything so that they can house equipment in that structure in case there's a, a meltdown scenario. Okay. Okay. So they can save the nuclear plant. Um, so there was a few ways they could go about this, but they needed engineers to help to do it. Um, so we, we realized we could take our algorithms we've developed that mm. kind of use this uh, FEA technology and apply them to this and write these calculations for these guys and and allow them to build these things because it was everybody was approaching their deadlines. So I kind of, we were actually both at the same company at the time, uh, Westinghouse up in so Pittsburgh. I see. This is okay. All right, go ahead. And I was, uh, I was doing a lot of that work up there and Steve was actually doing a lot of the engineering management up there at the time. Okay. Um, and I realized we could do this. We both realized there was a really good opportunity to do it. Uh, so I came into work one day and I just decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit today. I'm going to go start our company. And then you're going to join me when it's, when it's over. And Steve took me aside and he said, dude, I had a dream last night that we were, you know, we do a lot of rock climbing and ice climbing and stuff like that too. And he's like, I had a dream last night that we were uh, on this mountain, like hiking, you know, Everest style mountain. And we got up to this massive, uh, crevasse essentially like a cliff but it was huge it wasn't your typical crevasse and he said i i looked at him and i just took off running and made the leap and that was like the night before i made the leap wow. you know which was, wow. was kind of wild but wow that's a sign yeah that. when he told me that i was like well now i have to do it <laughs> gotta quit did now. you did you have were you now you're still not married when you quit your job or you, you were no so, i still was i didn't actually i i got married uh last year Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. So when you quit your job, you had, you didn't have a family. So there was no, it was just you. So if it, if it got messed up, you're like, ah, I can always go back and get another job. And you had a little money saved up or what, how, how are you guys going to, were you going to bootstrap this or what was the financial plan? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a bootstrap for sure. We didn't even know investors were a real thing at the time. Uh, <laughs> we, I had saved up a lot of money. The first year I, I, I got into actual work out of college, I slept on my buddy's couch. Um, for like a year and paid off all my student loans and stuff like that. Wow. And then okay, I started cool. just saving up. So I was in very good financial shape. You I know, see. The, all right. The all idea right. was to, to kind of build that chest so that I could, okay. I could do something okay. like this. So yeah, right. it was not a huge financial risk for me at the time. I just, I just made the leap and, and hope for the best. Um, and then it worked out like, you know, we were already talking to a, to a company that was interested. So we had okay. a very good deal flow. Um, so it was kind of a matter of just making the leap and then closing the deal. Uh, and when that happened, you know, we started and we, we, I started chugging along, Steve started helping eventually, uh, you know, a couple, maybe a month in, he, he also made the leap and then we just, uh, moved forward. We actually, we were highly successful with that company. Uh, but the, the work dried up, you know, it was kind of a specific, we were doing designs for, for nuclear, uh, structures for fission plants actually only at the time. Mm. Um, and that lasted for a couple of years. We made a lot of money on it. Both paid off our houses and all kinds of good stuff and uh, cool. never had to get outside money. Um, and we actually ended up doing a little more. I, uh, we, with that company, I actually designed 
the first ever conceptual nuclear fusion power plant for Tri-Alpha Energy over in Southern California. So, Wow, okay. Which was super cool. I mean, I didn't do the, uh, the physics side of it. Actually, Steve had been working for that company at the time, um, and I was still running our company. And they needed engineering work. And he said, well, I know the best guy in the country to do it. And he, so they, that kind of a neat story. I was in Portland, Oregon, when they were looking for an engine, a new engineering firm. Uh, and he was in Southern California and he called me and he said, I think I got an opportunity here for you. I'm going to set up a meeting and you just got to close it. So he wow. called me and told me that. And I was like, all right. So I immediately, I downloaded a book on fusion uh, on the like audio and started driving from Portland, you know, like an hour after that call. And when I pulled up into his driveway in Southern California, the book ended. <laughs> and then I had the meeting the next day. So How about that? I closed that deal. And that was a, that's one of my, uh, that I took a lot of pride in that job. It was pretty cool. And okay. Very good. So you guys, um, made, made some really made some good money, learned a lot running Brantley industries. Um, now you're full blown entrepreneurs. You've tasted what it's like to own your own company working for somebody else now is like, you're like, okay, we're never going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. You know, Steve had to do that again. Um, and he, he had a, Steve had a, has had a family for a lot longer than me. So he was, okay. he was actually doing that already. Um, and he was like, man, we got to get, I got to get out of this. Yeah. I got to get out. I got to get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was going great. Uh, it was actually going really good. It was actually kind of hard to recruit him back into really? my world. After really? That because they liked well, him so much. And he liked the they, work, you know. And he um, had risk. He had risk. He, when you get, when you got a wife and kids, it's, it's a little scarier to jump off into an entrepreneurial thing. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, how'd you guys come up with MindPass? Let's get into get into MindPass. Um, why don't you let's do this? Why don't you give us like the three minute elevator pitch as MindPass is today? Tell the listeners what it is, and then you can kind of go back and tell us how, how it got started. But give us the overview real quick, if you don't mind. The overview, yeah. So, have you had to reset a password in the last month? How about like every day? It seems like every day. Right. Very, very common problem that affects everyone who uses the Internet. Now, everybody knows that's a problem that needs to be solved. How do you solve it? Well, there's actually been a lot of studies on this. And the studies say that whatever the real solution is, it actually does need to be a knowledge based authentication. There's a lot of stuff out there like there's biometrics, there's, uh, you know, two factor authentications. All of those things are great in support uh, when it comes to authentication. But in reality, when you look at it, passwords control 100% of the infrastructure online. It's like that for a reason. So we saw that and we realized, hey, there's an opportunity there. Uh, we work with 3D. We're like experts in 3D and there's literally another dimension of entropy when it comes to 3D. Mm -hmm. And in this environment, entropy equals security. So we realized pretty quickly, hey, we could take real life rooms, give you options of stuff to pick in those rooms, and you're going to get at least a thousand times more security than you would have got from a password, and it'll be way easier to remember. Um, so we have developed the world's most human-centric authentication company in MindPass, uh, and we're, we can protect any gateway. And as you know, we have a password manager out right now that's uh, growing rapidly. Uh, people like it a lot. Um, competes with the top brands from a functionality standpoint, uh, you know, like 1Password. Does all the really the same things 1Password does, but we have our awesome 3D gateway on the front end. Now, how does that differ from... Google saves all my passwords. Like if, like if, if I'm trying to get into something, it's like, Oh, sign in with Google. And then I click and it kind of pops up. What's the, what's the difference? How, how does that differ? Yeah. So, you know, Google does that keychain does that, uh, you know, Apple, they, they started kind of collecting people's passwords really without right. you even knowing it. I know <laughs> I went years, <laughs> I went years without realizing that uh, Google was actually collecting my passwords, you know, and there's this <laughs> massive list of my passwords and yeah. And that Google was controlling, I had no idea. Well, these are not uh, stored in a good way for one. Uh, they're not trustless. 
And what you'll see is a lot of these password management companies, including us and 1Password, we're trustless. So that means all of your stuff stays on your devices only. The only information mm -hmm. we get has been encrypted uh, to the point that it's completely worthless to us or anyone else. So if somebody gets on our server and steals all your stuff somehow, uh, they're not going to have anything worthwhile. Mm. On, you know, on the same note, it's easy to get on someone's computer or their phone and just steal their passwords right out of their browser because they just remain there open all the time. So they remain all the time. Yep. And, and then when it comes to like switching devices or, you know, going across to a different platform, it's, it's non-existent with these browsers as well. Um, mm -hmm. What we provide is a trustless system so that we can store all your stuff on the cloud and you can have it anywhere on any device, uh, but we actually never have it. So if someone steals it from us, it's worthless. If I don't know how anybody else feels about this, but it's say the a government entity comes in and, and wants your stuff from us. They mm -hmm. subpoena you for your information. Well, we'll give you maybe what we got if we have to, but it's not, it's going to be worthless. It's trustless. Okay. Okay. And that's why all these companies go into this. And that's where, you know, your Google browsers and your, and your Apple browsers, they can't really compete. And I don't think they actually want to uh, over the past couple of years, they've been opening up their APIs so that companies like ours, can work within their system. Uh, we don't have to develop hacky stuff over the top. We actually can work right into their system because they just want people to use that stuff. They don't necessarily want to own that market. I see. Uh, okay. Okay. I see. And it's, by the way, for the listeners, mindpass.io, mindpass.io, and also Jake Brantley can be found on LinkedIn as well. Um, how is it How is it different from some of your competitors? What, what's your main... What's your secret sauce? What's your special sauce? Yeah, secret sauce is is in the three D. Uh, we were the we were the first company to start thinking about three D cybersecurity, and this is way before you know this actually this idea came up in about two thousand fourteen. We were actually working in three D all the time doing this finite element analysis. We had nodes and matrices in our heads constantly. That's all. That's mm -hmm. the way we thought. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just one night we were networking and, you know, sometimes you, you take a little too many drinks when you're networking. Uh, <laughs> Steve, the way Steve tells it, it was, it was, it was his concept in the beginning. He laid back on his bed and it hit him and he just barely summoned the energy to get up and write it down on a piece of paper. Uh, Interesting. That we need to, uh, we need to take this and run with it. But essentially what that was, was we can leverage the 3d technology that exists now combine that with edge computing and bring something right on people's screens that allows them to log in in a very natural way with exponentially more security and it's usable anywhere passwords are currently usable. So secret sauce is we'll lock your stuff up with a lot more security and you'll never forget your passwords for it. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So all my stuff, I mean, I can, and by the way, I love the video on your website. I, I love I love videos that explain the brand and what it does in a nice, simple form. I love what you guys got there. Um, so I can use MindPass and I can a screen will open up. I can click on the couch, the TV, whatever my four things are for every single thing that I have to sign into. Now, can it, is it set up to where once I do it, I'm always signed in or like, like every time I open up Facebook or every time I open up LinkedIn, do I have to re-click or, or does it work just like I, I have it now where it just opens? Yep. So, so the way we work is <clears throat> we, we, we first tie your account to your device. Okay. That serves as your second factor of authentication. So the first time you sign up for MindPass, you'll put in your email We'll send you an email. You'll click that link with your device and that will link up your account to your device. Okay. From that point on, you never have to think about doing that again. That's one time per device. Okay. Now what we do is we set up your actual key that you can lock and unlock your vault with. Okay. So after you've linked your device to your account, which very simple two click process that then will actually take you through the process. We launch you into a cabin. Right now it's a cabin. There's a nice fire. There's snow outside. Mm. And you'll look around this cabin. You pick four things out of that cabin. Okay. So you'll pick the fire, uh, you know, a chess piece, a mug off, off the bar over there, maybe a soccer ball. Pick four things. 
That is your mind pass. We'll ask you to put it in one more time so that it'll reinforce in your memory. And then you're good. And at that point, you can automatically import uh, your credentials into MindPass. Uh, you can put them in there one by one. You can put them in there on the fly while you're logging into stuff. Uh, it's very passive, very frictionless. But if you want to leave your MindPass at that point unlocked on your device, you can do that. So that mm, then mm, mm, when you're browsing everywhere you go and you need a password, we automatically provide it for you in those fields. Mm. So, so if I log into my bank, so if my bank is tied to MindPass mm -hmm. and then a week later I, I go to my bank website, I'm logging in with my MindPass password? So we actually, we will import your passwords just like they are right now. And then we'll offer to generate new ones for you if you want. Uh, we, didn't, we don't force people to use MindPass generated passwords. So if your bank password right now is... Steve Urban, you know, yeah. 2417. Yeah. If that's your password right now and that's what you want it to be, we'll pull that right into MindPass. And when you go to your bank next week or the week after, all it's going to do is autofill that password and that username for you in those fields. Uh, and you don't have to do anything. That'll autofill. As long as your vault is unlocked on your phone, that will mm -hmm. automatically fill those for you. Okay. Now, if you want a new password for that, all you have to do is generate one in the mind pass app. Mm, okay. All right. Very good. Uh, and I love the 3d. Do you have, is the 3d special sauce? Is that protected, patented, whatever? I mean, can you, can you, can your competition do the same thing? Talk to me about that. Well, you know, up to about a month ago, we were running under the assumption that we were just going to have to be the market leader. We were going to have to be better than everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a patent out there, but it wasn't granted yet. And okay. we didn't actually think it was ever going to get granted because we, mm -hmm. we had gone through a lot of effort. But mm -hmm. about a month ago, we received notice from the patent office that we actually got our patent. So MindPass now owns most of this 3D authentication approach in general. How about uh, that? Protects, How, mm -hmm. protects our product really well, as much as a software patent can. And then it also protects a lot of other things involved with 3D authentication. So um, we were very excited when we got that. News. Oh, that's a that's a that's a major win. I mean, that's a that's a huge victory that could pay divid huge dividends. Um, did that cost you a lot of money legally to get that done? Well, in the in the beginning, uh, you know, I I may do a little too much sometimes, but I actually studied a lot. I went to a lot of meetings about patents and how to submit them uh, and things like that. And I wrote the thing. Uh, myself and in, in the beginning. Wow. Uh, All right. First wrote the provisional and then wrote the follow on patent. And then I actually got a really good lawyer in Boulder uh, to look at this okay. uh, for me. Okay. And before it went in and he said, you know, this, this looks great. What legal firm did you <laughs> work with? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Did he actually read it or what? Um, so that. That's been in there for you know years. It took us four years to get this patent, and uh, we worked with those guys a lot back and forth with the patent attorney, with the with the actual uh, investigator, the patent reviewer. Mm -hmm. um, and then recently, uh, we kind of we kind of hit a wall. We're like, we don't know what else to do to get this thing to push through. So we called that lawyer in Boulder again, and we're like, hey, you you know, you reviewed this for us a long time ago. You liked it. Uh, we'd really need your help. <laughs> we just want to get this pushed through. Um, so when we got our actual patent attorney on it, he changed a few things up a little bit, um, but not a whole lot. He, he just put his lawyer touch on it and sent it back yep. in. And they, he even told us, he was like, you know, I didn't think they were going to accept this first draft, but they did. So how about that? Uh, yeah. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, and very nice. Congrats. How big is the company now? I don't know if you want to share revenue, employees, clients. Like, can you give us an idea, uh, some metrics on how big you guys are and how fast it's growing? Yeah, so we actually soft launch on purpose back in October. Um, okay. We only told a certain amount of people we were launching, close people. We wanted to get through the first phases of this thing uh, safely, you know, because really with our with our amount of funding, we probably shouldn't even have launched in general yet. We where'd just, the uh, funding Where'd the funding come from? We were ahead of the curve. Uh, we got we actually went through Boomtown Accelerator back in uh, 2019. Are you familiar with Boomtown? Is that why you came to to Colorado? <clears throat> nope, I was already. I came to Colorado to snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you came to Boulder to raise cash. I, oh, oh, okay. So, all right, all right. No, so I went to Boulder to snowboard, and because it, I could snowboard there, and uh, it was like 
the second Silicon Valley is what everybody yeah, is called. Yeah, yeah, so that yeah, was part yeah. of I, it. Gotcha. I, came, I went there in 2015. I got into Boomtown in 2019 with MindPass. And, uh, I see. I see. And that, they, a, gave you some, they gave you some cash and they took a percentage of ownership in the company? Yeah, they give a little cash. Uh, but then when we graduated Boomtown, uh, we kind of rode that energy wave into a, C, a pre-seed round. I and see. I, we actually raised cash with UPC there in Boulder. Uh-huh. Um, How much have you raised so far to date? Do you mind sharing? Uh, 770. Hey, congrats. another congrats. Okay. You got a patent and you raised $700,000. Very good. Excellent. Uh, d- did you raise the 700 without having to give up control? Do you, are you and Steve still in control? Oh yeah. We're still in control. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it, they, they treated us well over there. We like those guys a lot at UPC. Okay. Uh, they okay. worked with us really well. They're super friendly. Okay. Um, and you know, it, it's actually funded us through the first tranche of this, you know, it's yeah. a hard problem when you're trying to take cutting edge 3d, leverage yes. edge computing and bring it to everybody in a passive way you know uh it's a very difficult problem um so it's you, it's allowed us s- to get through that you soft launched in october though and now you are um producing revenue and people are signing up paying for the service and can you walk can you walk us through the model like if as a as a consumer how do i pay for it what's the cost can you and and, and how do you make money give us a little overview yeah yeah, so if you want to use MindPass, you just look on your uh, your phone, uh, any device, I- iOS, Android, uh, desktop, Mac. We have apps for, for all those devices. Get the app. Uh, like I said, put in your email. We'll send you the email. You click it. Now you're good to go. Uh, and then all you need to do, up to 10 passwords is free. So we don't ever ask for your card up to 10 passwords at all. So anyone can use this. It's free. Um and then if you want to get more than 10 passwords, you just get premium uh, and that's $5 a month. $5. Uh, that's it. That's it. It's, it's that simple and we'll protect you with better security than anybody else out there uh, with a really cool and actually kind of fun mechanism. $5 a month. Do I have to sign a long contract? Is it month to month? Can I turn it off whenever I want? No, actually most of these companies make you sign an annual contract. We never got into that. We've had a lot of problems with, with long-term contracts in our lives and ethically, we just didn't want to do it right now. Uh, you know, maybe okay. someday we'll get talked into it, but no, it's month to month. It's $5 a month. So it's a, the entire risk. If you want mind pass premium is $5. <laughs> That's it. $5 That's a it. month. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you making money through partners or, or vendors or any, any certain technology you're using and they're paying you or is your revenue strictly from the consumer? Yeah, we realized pretty quickly, and Boomtown actually helped us out a lot with this, is that, you know, the, the consumer market is big, yeah, but the enterprise market is way bigger. Yeah. Um, and we want to get this out there to people. We want everybody to be able to use it because it's just better. It's a better experience online okay. and on your computers. Um, but we also want to make a lot of money this way. So what we did is, is we devised a plan to take over the enterprise market uh, okay. for authentication. And this was going really well. We had a really big contract that we'd been working on for about a year, a year and a half. Mm. Uh, and we'd actually gotten verbal commitment. They said, hey, we're going to send you this contract uh, within about a week. And then all of a sudden, the quarantine, the forced quarantine happened and everybody had to go home. Mm. Uh, and everybody got restructured to work on their internal business and not uh, new technology. Mm. Um, so that whole contract that we'd been working on for a year and a half to get to go enterprise first froze uh, and there was nothing we could do about it. So we had to actually pivot uh, and alter our business model and say, well, let's just go to consumer first. We okay. Start generating a little yeah. revenue. We'll yeah. get a lot more exposure. It's actually the perfect feedback for our product and optimizing that, our product. True. That's true. And then when it comes time to talk to these enterprise companies again, we'll have a lot more credibility. We'll be a lot further along. Yeah. Agreed. Let's do that. So, so that's what we did. We actually pivoted and we went straight to consumer with a plan to go, you know, B to C and then, uh, and then go B to B to C later on. Okay. Very good. Uh, yeah. I, I actually like that. I like that plan. Maybe it's better to go that route anyway. And so you're learning now, uh, how many, you mind sharing how many users you have? I don't know if you call them users, clients, what do you call them? Yeah. There's different levels of users. You know, we get, uh, you know, thousands of downloads a month right now. Okay, great. Um, and then, you know, some people will download it and they won't even look at it for a while because it's a cool concept. Some people will mm-hmm. use it auto- automatically, but 
in general, when it comes to like uh, from a revenue perspective, we're growing about 138% on average month over month. Okay, great. How uh, many employees? Oh, well, we got three uh, full-time employees. Okay, very good. And you haven't you haven't burned through your seven hundred thousand, have you? You still got you, you haven't you haven't. You, uh, I know you're burn, I know you're I know you're burning cash probably, right? You're not obviously you're not profit. You're not making money yet, so you're still you're still you're still scaling and growing. So you're burning through the investment. Are you are you, you got a little left? Are you raising another round? What's the status on cash? We are we're raising a seed round right now. We're in active conversations with a lot of investors right now to raise seed. Okay, money. okay, very good. Uh, good to know. But it, good. When it comes down to it, it actually wouldn't take a lot more to get sustainable for us. Um, but we know we need to grow fast as well. So, so we want that seed money. Yep. Um, by the way, we can talk offline. Um, many uh, investors have been on the RiderFlex podcast and several of our uh, advisors are also investors at, uh, here at recruiting from RiderFlex. So if you have a, a pitch or a teaser or prospectus or whatever, if you have something, we can talk about it. I'm happy to, I'm happy to afford it to anybody that might be interested because a lot of folks come on the RiderFlex podcast that are in the middle of a race. So, yeah. okay. Uh, very good. Uh, are you having fun? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a constant adrenaline rush is what this is, you know, <laughs> which I like, you know, I did a lot of rock climbing, a lot of snowboarding, a lot of football. Um, so everything's intense all the time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun when you're not super nervous and when you're super <laughs> nervous, it's a, it's a great adrenaline rush. So, you know, <laughs> well, give us, give me a good story with you and your brother. Now I know I have a brother. And so I know it hasn't been rosy the whole time. There has to be stories where you guys are like, okay, bro, fuck off. And you're mad at each other for a week or whatever. Yeah, give me a good one. Give me, give me something good. Give me a good well, story. Well, let me ask what, what's the, uh, are you the younger or older brother? I'm the older one. You're the older one. So what's the difference there in age? Uh, three years. Three years. So very similar. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, we've had what a lot of them. You know, <laughs> Steve's a he's a very high level thinker, architectural guy. Um, okay. You know, he's he see he's got a lot of vision, uh, comes up with a lot of ideas. You know, I'm more of the in the weeds. You know, I developed a lot of our software. Uh, hands-on things like mm. that so you can imagine how two personalities that are so similar yet so different would clash you know in in ways like that but i think you know as far as we've had a lot of blowouts but from a business perspective i i can't think of one honestly uh okay just, All right. we've learned to work really good together in business because we both realize it's different you know than our than our uh normal lives how did you guys decide your CEO? Uh, and, and do you own 51% and he owns 49? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's hilarious. Um, so I, I actually started MindPass while he was still working for that fusion power company down in uh, Southern California. Oh, okay. So, so that's right. 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 So I had to be CEO out of the gate, um, <laughs> which was fine. I mean, I, I've always been slightly more social than him anyway. Uh, okay. So, okay. So it kind of worked out, you know, for him to be CTO, me to be CEO. Uh, right. But yeah, so I started before, actually in 2018, I just came off of the end of that that uh, big project I was telling you about where we developed that whole fusion power plant. And I got hacked. On, well, I didn't really get hacked. I got scammed online for a lot of money. Mm. Um, a, a big portion of my investment account was just wiped mm. out. Mm. Um, so instead of going to new clients and trying to get new engineering clients, which is a whole other mess on its own, trying to expand your, uh, your network in an engineering world. Um, I decided it was time to build the cybersecurity product because I'd just gotten destroyed, you know, by mm. this problem online. And so I was mm. like, you know what, I'm just going to start. So at 2018, that's when we went full time. We took our prototypes we'd already developed or I did okay. and just, okay. and just started the company. That's why I'm, basically why i was ceo from the get-go if you guys if you if the, if the shit hits the fan and you get in a big argument are you in charge or do you have more uh units in the in the, in the on the cap table <laughs> so so whenever we uh yeah whenever we founded the company i got about one more percent as a yeah. jab just as a <laughs> since I mean, you pushed it out of me yeah it yeah. was uh, it was kind of like i got one more percent than he did because it was just like yeah 
You'll you know, know, I, you know, I, in all seriousness for the listeners right here, this is a good learning piece for aspiring entrepreneurs, especially if you want to start a business with a friend or a family member, you know, all joking aside, I, I am a firm believer in a, in a 51, 49, uh, the 50, 50 thing. It, it just sooner or later, there's going to be arguments. There's going to be a disagreement, whatever. I mean, there just will be, I don't care how much you love your family member. I don't care how great the friend is. If you've known him for 40 years, blah, blah, blah. You better have a little bit of separation on your, on your cap table for, for messes because it's going to happen. I highly recommend it for the listeners. So I did it it for fun, not as much as a a good plan, (laughs) But, but that's true. I mean, it is a good idea. Yeah, it is. Uh, mindpass.io for the listeners and check out Jake Brantley on LinkedIn as well. Um, congratulations, man, to you and Steve for uh, everything you've done. The patent is probably going to be a huge payday somewhere down the road. That's a big win. Um, the cash you've raised. Uh, congratulations, man. Happy for you. Hey, I appreciate that. And you know what? Uh- we're the, the patent got us really excited because yeah. you know it wasn't it was about a month ago we were actually on the phone with engineers from Meta that were talking to us because they they were looking at us for their 3D cybersecurity foundation. How about uh, that? And they you know they they even asked like are you interested in acquisition or something like that and we said well we're mm-hmm. interested in all options but yeah uh, but you know it was like five days later that their stock tanked thirty percent so now they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're also circling the wagon so. I wouldn't um, sell. I wouldn't sell yet. I think I think I'd play it out for a little longer because you may have a bigger payday here down the road. I think. Yeah, I, I think there's a big win here uh, just yes. with 3D authentication in general. And then when you sell and you start another company and you need to hire 200 people, then you call your friend Steve Urban at recruiting firm Riderflex and we, we do a bunch of work for you. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Jake, thanks so much for being on the Riderflex podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Steve.